Good morning, everyone. Sorted here. Oh, that's not meant to happen, is it? I'll just leave it. I think. <coughs> well, as Ev said, we we are continuing in our series in Esther, and uh, we, we are wanting to remind you that we, we're looking at this series with this theme and with with a through the lens of Esther four fourteen. When Mordecai says to Esther, and who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. For such a time as this. And last week, Raph shared about the, 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 the providence of God is seen through the book of Esther, if not his name mentioned. The foresight that God has of events to come and the care uh, and the guidance for his people. There are four main characters in the book of Esther. Uh, King Ahasuerus, as uh, Ev was reading out, depending on your translation, I'm going to stick with Xerxes, because I find that a bit easier to say. Hadassah, whose Persian name was Esther, meaning star. Uh, Mordecai, her cousin who raised her, and Haman, who we'll get to in the coming weeks. Last week we learnt a lot about King Xerxes, could you remember the, I think there were four things that Raph put up about his character. Can you remember any of the four things that we put up on the, on the board here and then we spoke about last week around King Xerxes? Boastful. Yeah, he was boastful. Proud. Wasn't one of them, but he was proud. Drunkenness. We learn about his drunkenness. There were two other things. One is vindictive. That he loved revenge, and inept. Yeah, he was inept as a king. He he lacked the skill and the uh, the the ability to govern well. Not a great resume for a king. But he's one of the four characters that we come across in the Book of Esther, the main characters. And today we're going to touch and and be introduced to two. Uh, two more of those characters, Esther, who is made queen in chapter 2, and Mordecai, her cousin, who raised her. I don't, I don't believe in coincidences. When two or more similar things happen at the same time, especially in a way that is unlikely, surprising and without planning. I was sitting at the MCG quite a number of years ago now, um, and I was right at the back uh, with a friend of mine who's an Essendon supporter and we're at a Collingwood Essendon game. I think Collingwood won. It was a little while ago. <laughs> anyway, we're right at the back, uh, up the top of like the Olympic stand. I think like row Z. I can't remember the exact row, but I know the seats. We had one and two because right on the edge and I was in number two. And the game wasn't far off starting and it was a bit of a last minute thing. We just bought these two general admission tickets and we just sat up there and I didn't tell people that I was going. It wasn't on Facebook or anything. You know, um, up to come the stairs came my dad and I saw my brother-in-law and I think a couple of his boys. And I had to look twice. I couldn't believe it. Like They're coming up the stairs. They're in the same area as what we're sitting. I didn't even know they're coming. And as they came up, I yelled, had to yell out, like, we're up here, we're up here. And they pulled their tickets out and... Like if we're in Z1 and 2, they had Z3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. 
People may think it's just a coincidence. But I want to look at this morning and say to you this morning that I don't believe in coincidence. I think to say something is just a coincidence is to deny the truth that God knows everything. That nothing surprises him. That he has a plan and a purpose in everything that happens. And Esther is full of what some people may say are coincidences. But they're not coincidences. What we'll see today and in the coming weeks in Esther is that God is at work. The nation of Israel know that. I know that. I hope you know that. That God was in control in the time of Esther and in the palace in Susa just as he is here in Montmorency thousands of years later, the same God in control and at work in our lives to see his plan unfold. You know, how often are we pleased with ourselves when things fall our way? And just at the right time or something happens and we talk about how lucky we were and what a coincidence. Well, I want to say, no, it's not a coincidence. I want to say at the time when I got to sit with my family when I wasn't expecting it. Not a coincidence, just a time to say thanks, God, for being able to spend some time with my family at the football. Well, some people probably wouldn't be so grateful to have to sit next to my dad at a Collingwood game, but (laughs) you know what I mean. It's a time to say, an opportunity to recognise the goodness of God and his provision his love, and don't say what a coincidence, but wow, thank you God. How can I use this opportunity now to bring glory to you, to honour you? You know, Jews to this very day, I think Raph might have mentioned it last week, but in the synagogue when they read Esther, they read at the, at the um, festival of Purim, they read through the whole book of Esther. And when they get to the name Haman, as we'll find out in the coming weeks, the sort of evil man he was, They boo and they hiss and they stamp their feet when they call his name out. And they shout out, blessed be Mordecai, cursed be Haman. The Jews know what happened in this book at this time. For their people, it was no coincidence. The things that happened and unfolded. God is at work. He works through his people. He works out his plan through them. And that's just what he wants to do with you and I this morning and in our lives. And what we have to ask ourselves is, are we obedient? Are we obedient to him? Before we get to to Queen Esther in verse 5 and introduce to her, we get a a bit of a context and a bit of a picture of where things are at in the palace in verses 1 to 4. We we touched on last week about the, the, the war that King Xerxes was on Um, up against the Greeks and between chapters 1 and 2 there's about a 3 or 4 year gap there and that's when he had gone to fight the Greeks and he had lost he took this huge army and some commentators say around 200,000 people to fight the Greeks and he lost and he comes back and it says whatever your version may say later or after these things 
after this war, King Xerxes is angry. And it says when, he's, when the anger had subsided, he remembered Vashti. The king must have been feeling really down. Not a great time to come back a bit ashamed, embarrassed of what's happened. Humiliating. And there are plenty of women there in the palace to meet his physical needs, but there's no one there that he can talk to, open his heart to. He doesn't have a wife, a queen to share with. He's a lonely man. And he remembers what he decreed about his wife, that she was never to be in his presence again. I imagine when there's a king or just perhaps any leader at any time, even of today, when they're feeling down and lonely and pretty upset, they're probably not the best person to be around. And they're most likely looking to take it out on someone. So you notice here that there are the attendants to the king quickly got to come up with a plan because they don't want to cop it. And they most likely don't want the Queen Vashti to be coming back because she'd probably have their heads. So they come up with a plan. Bring all the beautiful young virgins to the king and he can pick one to be queen. And as I father of two daughters and as I read those just couple of words, those verses, their idea, you know, I just thought what a horrible, what a horrible situation for those girls. What a self-centred, almost sexual predator-like thoughts and behaviour it is. And we don't just excuse that for because it was thousands of years ago. I mean, that stuff happens today. But in the midst of evil and in the midst of immoral behaviour, in the midst of selfishness and greed, God is there. God is at work. God is using those circumstances. Recently I've been looking at some stories, uh, survival stories of World War II. Uh, a horrible time. Can't put into words how horrible, disgusting place and, and decisions that were made to end and ruin millions of people's lives. But what I have noticed and come across and been inspired and encouraged about is the plenty of stories of people who shared about the prayers that God answered in their lives and the only way that they survived was because God intervened. And people that had turned to God and were saved from such a horrific, horrible time. And it reminded me that when evil seems to be ruling and when the dark times seem to be rolling in, God doesn't disappear from those times. He doesn't leave the scene. But God is at work. And we can have the confidence to face such difficult circumstances with the knowledge that he is in control 
and there is no circumstance too big for his to be out of his control, power or knowledge. And so the attendants have this idea and it, of course it pleases the self-centred, selfish, immoral king. And it took the heat off his attendants. And so we find Esther in verse 5. And we first read about Mordecai and we'll come to Mordecai a little bit more at the end of the chapter. Um, But it's important to note here that Mordecai is a Jew in verse 5 from the tribe of Benjamin. That will become more important next week in chapter 3 as we are introduced to Haman. And when Haman finds out, and you find a bit more about Haman's background. So Mordecai raised his cousin Esther, a beautiful young Jewish woman, who was definitely noticed by these commissioners that the king appointed for this beauty pageant, for want of a better word, but that is about to take place. And it says there that she was taken. Uh, It implies, the translation implies that she was taken forcibly. That Mordecai and Esther actually didn't really have a say in the matter. So here is Hadassah, Esther, with no parents, raised by her cousin, forcibly taken away to be paraded in front of the king, to sleep with the king and the chance that she'll be queen. It's probably not the life that she had dreamt about. I would imagine it's not what Mordecai would have thought would have been the, the life for, for, her, for his uh, cousin as he raised her. But you know, no matter how quickly life turns just in the matter of a a few minutes or a day or a week and things become so different to how they were, God hasn't left the scene. God is present and he is at work. You note in verse 9, because there there is a trend about to happen, in verse 9 it says that the the, the girl pleased him and won his favour. Uh, it's talking about Esther finding favour with Haggai. She finds favour with Haggai, the king's eunuch, immediately. And he gets her, he gets her all of the special foundations and eyeliner and, and, and lipstick, the top of the range. And seven maids are there to help her. Like, amazing, isn't it? An orphan Jewish girl in Susa is like taken to the top of the pile by the king's eunuch. It's no coincidence. God is at work. And poor Mordecai walking around, pacing the courtyard, thinking, what has happened here? Her life is ruined, perhaps. Who knows what he said? He must have been stressing. But Esther seems to be doing okay. She's listened to Haggai, who knew what the king would want. And when it was her turn, she did what Haggai had suggested. And look there in verse 15. When the turn came for Esther... 
To go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Hegai, the king's eunuch, was in charge of the harem suggested. And Esther won the favour of everyone who saw her. The people loved her. She was about to become their queen. And the people loved her. What a coincidence. No. God is at work. God is at work. Now the king was attracted to her more than any other. And guess what in verse 17? She won his favour and approval. This Jewish orphan girl in Susa won the favour of Haggai, the people, and now the king? What a coincidence. Absolutely not. God is at work. I don't want to steal too much about what is to come in the next week and beyond, but you know, there's a man who's coming into power, an evil man who's about to come into power who wants to destroy every Jew. And now we find a Jewish orphan girl is the queen. God is at work. God's plan is being worked out through his people who are obedient to him and trust him. And that's why Mordecai's encouragement in 4.14 is who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. And I don't know all of what is going on in your life. I don't know what you're facing and what may seem like really unfair and unjust circumstances. Or there may be a real success that you are just basking in at the moment. (coughs) Whatever it may be, God knows everything. God knows everything. And he has a plan to use every circumstance for his glory. And the question really is, are we aware of that? Are we obedient to his calling? As I said, I may not know all your circumstances, but I know the plan that he has for us. And that plan is that we would be boldly and unashamedly unashamedly declaring the truth of the good news. Jesus came and was born in a manger and he died for our sins. And he rose again, victorious over sin and death, and he lives in heaven and he wants to be in a relationship with you and me. And one day he's coming to take those who believe in him to heaven for eternity. If you're an expecting mum this morning, a retiree, a working full-time mum or dad or woman or man, a uni student, a high school student. You are where you are, not by coincidence. 
Today, at the end of 2018, you find yourself in the circumstances that you are, not by coincidence. Because God is at work and he has a plan for you to live a holy, changed life through the power of the Spirit. There are millions of people who need to hear the gospel. There are thousands of people in our community and in your community, around where you live, if it's a bit further out, or in your workplace, your family. There are thousands of people that need to hear the gospel. And we exist here as God's church In this place, we exist to give everyone in this church and this community, this wider community, the opportunity to know and follow Jesus. That's our purpose statement. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. You can ignore it. You can disobey what God has chosen you to do. You can get lazy and don't worry about it. And maybe we have... Maybe I have. But his plan doesn't stop. He'll use others. And we miss out on the blessings. We miss out on the peace. We miss out on the joy that it is of a believer to be walking in the will and plan of God. So Esther's banquet was was given to her. She's made queen a public holiday in, in her honour. Yet at this time she kept secret her nationality and background as her cousin Mordecai had told her that the right time hadn't come for that yet. It's all about timing as we'll see later. Attached at the, at the end of chapter 2 there in a few verses we, we get to see a bit about what happened to, to Mordecai and his involvement in the assassination plot of the king. And there's some good news and there's some bad news in these few verses. There's good news for the, for the king. And there's some good news for Mordecai. Not so good news, not so good news for Big Thana and Teresh. Two guards at the doorway. And they conspired to kill to kill the king. We don't know a lot about uh, Big Thana and Teresh, but something got under their skin that they they want they had to do something about, and they conspired to kill the king. Who knows what it was? It might have been when the king came back from Greece. He was really upset, and he spoke to them really badly. You know, they just couldn't get over it. Maybe it was one of their friends who, who didn't get the position of queen. Maybe it was a promotion that they missed out on. Whatever it was, it made them angry. And they didn't deal with that anger, and I'm not going to be speaking about anger a lot this morning, but just to say that their anger escalated and grew because it was never dealt with appropriately. There wasn't even a conversation. You know, Teresh, we really got to get over this. This isn't going to end up well for us. There was no forgiveness. There was no desire to let it, the anger go. 
and when our anger escalates and grows it leads leads to horrible outcomes and in this instance it grew and grew to where they wanted to kill the king and Mordecai it says found out another coincidence no God is at work God is at work God's plan unfolding to save his people didn't include Teresh and and his mate what's his mate's name? Big Thana killing the king Mordecai found out told Esther he had someone on the inside and it was found to be true not sure what investigative measures they had in place they bugged Teresha's phone or Big Thana put on Facebook we're going to bring him down they found out that it was true it was recorded that Mordecai saved the life of the king in the diaries in the chronicles and that's important to remember when we come to chapter 6 and Big Thana and Teresh were killed what a chapter for Esther and Mordecai we're introduced to them in chapter 2 and in these short time Esther is queen Mordecai has saved the king God has brought two Jews onto the scene in the life of King Xerxes and it would seem that after such a time of of, of saving uh, that Mordecai had done saving the king it would seem that it would be the perfect time for Mordecai to be praised and brought before the people and given wealth and land and glorified in front of everyone that would be right thing to do that would seem fair wouldn't it but as we see in chapter 3 next week that's not what happens someone else is given authority someone else is given power and wealth and land didn't happen for Mordecai well not now anyway not yet because God is at work and his timing is always perfect friends there are no coincidences but there is a sovereign God who reigns over all things who knows all things whose timing is perfect and we are called to surrender to him to be obedient to him and to live for him. Lord and God, thank you for your word and for its truth and that you use it to empower us, to challenge us and to bless us. I pray as we go from here today that we will be reminded that you are always in control that there are no coincidences, there is nothing that surprises you, that you have a plan and a purpose for everything that happens in our life, that we would turn to you 
moment by moment, giving you thanks and praise to honour you. Been reminded this morning that the price has been paid in full. Lord, may this truth spur us on to live surrendered lives, holy and changed lives, in order to bring glory to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.